Welcome to Encounter. We want nothing more than to help you find and follow Jesus. If you're a college student in Central Illinois, join us Monday nights, ISU's campus. We'd love to see you there. Thank you, guys. Good uh, music. Well, good job singing. I can't believe how well you sang there and how alert you are. I talked to a few guys as I came in this morning. I said, did you guys get much sleep last night? They're like, yeah, about three hours. I'm like, three hours? And that's probably more than some of you got. Maybe some of you got even less than that. Um, you guys are amazing. Well done. Um, so I love living here in America, um, but it hasn't been without problems. So having an accent sometimes gets me in trouble, sometimes makes it hard for people to understand me. Um, hopefully you guys are keeping up with uh, what I'm saying. But um, I can remember early on when I first moved to America, one of the biggest issues I had was uh, in particular at drive through restaurants. Like I'd pull up to a fast food restaurant, get to the drive through machine, they'd come on, say, can I take your order? And it was clear that they didn't understand a word I was saying. Um, the one I had the biggest challenge with was burger. King. Uh, I learned very early on because I would arrive and the lady would say, welcome to Burger King. I'm not going to do an American accent because it's bad. How can I help you? Um, I'd say, yeah, can I have a Whopper? It'd be like a pause. And the lady would be like, hi, uh, welcome to Burger King. Can I help you? I was like, yeah, can I have a Whopper? Long pause. And then a guy comes on, hi, uh, welcome to Burger King. <laughs> can I help you? I'm like, because then in my head I know what's happening. So I'm like, yeah, can I have a Whopper? And... Uh, <laughs> At that point, they're like, oh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Because so, where I come from, they're whoppers. So uh, if you don't learn anything else this weekend, you now know if you ever go to England and you want to order at Burger King, uh, say after me, one, two, three, you ask for a whopper. Very good. Yeah, they're not bad. Let's try one more time. One, two, three. Whopper. Yeah, very good. A little, a little whopper-ish, but uh, I definitely heard some of you with a really distinct whopper. So well done. So, um, so I hope today, uh, as I continue speaking, my accent doesn't get in the way of what I have to say. But um, loved talking to you last night, and this morning I want to continue on. So I told you that I was the pastor of this church in Washington called Connect Church. And uh, our value, our philosophy, our mission is to connect our community to Christ. So connecting is a big part of who we are as a church, and, and we really want the folks who call Connect Church their church home to feel connected to one another. So we make that a very high value to encourage people to connect to one another. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning with you guys, how important I think it is for you to connect with one another. Because it's really important who you do life with. It's really important the people you surround yourself with, because they can make a huge difference when you face some of the challenges in your life. So um, earlier this year, back in May, uh, this, oh, <laughs> I'm too used to someone doing this for me. This is uh, a picture of me. There I am. Uh, stood at Everest Base Camp. So earlier this year, uh, I got to hike with a group to the base camp of Mount Everest. This is me at 17,600 feet. Now that sounds super high, but off to the side is Mount Everest itself at 29,000 feet. So I was just barely starting. I'm at the bottom of this mountain. I stopped where the proper climbers start. But there was me and eight other pastors and leaders. We were on a, a trek to raise money. It was a fundraising trip to raise money to help plant churches around the world uh, to specifically help children who live in extreme poverty. So we raised a bunch of money to do that. And over the time we were there, we just saw some incredible things. Uh, we saw yaks every day climbing up and down the mountain, taking supplies up and down as we hiked for 17 days. We hiked 96 miles and did about 50,000 feet of up and down. And the truth is, it was an incredibly difficult, strenuous trip that I could not have done 
were it not for this group of wonderful people. So right there is the nine of us plus our guides and our Sherpas, and they walked with us on these trails. And it was incredible having the support and the encouragement from these people around us. I don't know that any one of us could have done it had we been doing it alone. I remember one day early on in the trek, we looked up into the distance and there was this huge rope bridge spanning this canyon that we had to cross. It was the first one. There were several of them. This was the first one. It was pretty scary. There was one lady in that group who was really afraid of heights and uh, we all had to kind of surround her and go across with her and keep talking to her and we were singing worship songs and we were praying out loud and each time she just barely got across and she was like, thank you, Jesus, thank you, she got across. Um... This is me at the beginning of that bridge, ready to cross. But right across the other side of that bridge, um, there was a, a spot that we stopped to have some lunch. And uh, I'll take that picture off so you haven't got to stare at my smiley face. Um, we stopped to have lunch, and uh, this is on our way up the mountain. And there was a group there that were on their way down. This particular group were uh, a group that didn't know each other before the trip. They'd all signed up independently. They'd been put together. There were people from Great Britain, from America, from Europe, uh, South America. There's about 10, 15 of them all together. You could tell that they'd already been up and they're on their way down. They looked messy, scruffy, you know, tired. So I thought I'd go over and chat with them and see what the, uh, the trip had been like for them. I was like, how's it going? They're like, terrible. I was like, oh, really? And these couple of girls from America, young college-age girls, I said, how was it? They're like, awful. We were cold, we were sick, we haven't showered for six days. And they, they started to go on and on about how miserable it was. Now, don't forget, we're on our way up. We're only about two days into the trek. It's 15 days altogether, and they're, they're telling us how terrible it was. There was a guy there from Germany, and uh, he said, are you guys on your way up? And I was like, yeah. He's like, turn around now. And I laughed. I was like, <laughs> he goes, no, I'm serious. Turn around now. I was like, jeez, these guys. I mean, they were not very encouraging. And you could tell that they were kind of feeding off one another. Like, they were miserable, and misery loves company, and they were just all complaining and moaning. And as we continued on after that lunch, our group was a lot more subdued. We were a lot more nervous now. We were kind of optimistic up until this point. Now we're like, what have we got ourselves into? This is going to be terrible. What if we don't make it? What if one of us dies? I mean, we were thinking the worst case scenarios of what might happen over the next few days. And we realized in that moment as we spoke to one another, we came to the conclusion that we'd learned a life lesson that day. And that lesson is be careful who you listen to and who you let speak into your life. Be careful who you surround yourself with. Be careful who you let um, speak into your life. Because it can have a big effect on you. There are some situations in life, I believe, especially some of those bigger things, that the wrong conversation with the wrong person can seriously jeopardize. Maybe you're here and, and you're at college and you're thinking of something or you're maybe going to pursue something or, or take a direction and someone just says the wrong thing at the wrong time and it just totally sidetracks you. You're like, well, maybe I can't do that. Maybe I shouldn't do that. So at Connect, we love that people come on Sundays and we welcome them. Our services are much like this, a group of people, but um, we have this value at Connect that we believe that circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. I love that you guys are sat in rows here this morning listening to me speak, but I loved even more looking last night and seeing you sat in circles together, answering questions, talking to one another, interacting with each other. Because I think that's where growth happens. I think that's where discipleship takes place when you're in a group with some other people. So while rows that connect are good, we're always encouraging people to serve or to get involved in small groups because that's where lives really start to change. 
And if you're here this morning as a follower of Jesus, whether you've got one, two, three, four years left here in Bloomington, I think one of the ways that you will successfully complete this trek that you're on is by surrounding yourself with the right people, the people who will spur you along. So like I said last night, one of our values that connect is to connect our community to Christ. First and foremost, I want you to connect with Jesus. I want you to have a relationship with Jesus. If you've not yet discovered Jesus as your personal Savior, I hope this weekend that changes. I hope you get to experience Jesus, the same Jesus who's changed many of our lives here this morning. But over and above a relationship with Jesus, I hope that one of the outcomes of this weekend is that you connect with one another at an even deeper level. You make some friends here that will continue on through your college life. Maybe even some lifetime friends are here in the room with you this weekend. And the cool thing is, we're all different, but God brings us all together. On that trip that we were on the trek, there were nine of us. There were two ladies, seven guys. We were from all across America. Some were older than me, some were younger than me. Different backgrounds, but all of us were bonded around one common mission. We had to make it up that mountain. We had to climb those, those trails and get there. And because we were bonded by that common mission, there was such a sense of unity amongst us. And I'm hoping that when you guys leave this weekend, you'll have this sense of mission and purpose and vision for your college campus. And that will, will bind you together in unity with one another. We may all be different. We may have come from different places. But together, we are one group unified with one mission. Because unity is brilliant. Unity is brilliant. Listen to how King David describes unity in one of the Psalms. It's Psalm 133. And it reads like this. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now, this is one of my favorite psalms because it, it has a formula in it. It shows us how we can experience and receive God's blessing in our lives. And actually, while it's a beautiful psalm, it would have been a lot easier and a lot simpler if David could have just cut some stuff out. If he had just summed up verse 1 and the last part of verse 3, he would have got his point across. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. That's what he's saying. He said, when we live together in unity, when we strive to, to be in one common mind, one purpose together as a group like this, God will show up. He will bless our ministry. He'll bless our lives. We'll see his blessing in us and through us. But David decides that I want you to really understand how amazing unity is. I don't want to just say this. I, I want to show you some pictures, some images. I want to show you some poetry here of just how beautiful God's blessing can be. So he gives us this first image. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard. It's running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. That's what God's blessing looks like in unity. 
Now, I saw some friends last night at Portillo's, uh, stopped there on the way here to um, uh, the retreat, and got to be honest, wasn't a difficult decision to make, because Portillo's has some amazing shakes and fries, but it has some brilliant burgers, and that's what I got last night. Yes, I got an amen there from the front row. I got a great burger at Portillo's last night. Now, you may be surprised to hear by looking at my chiseled physique that I like a burger or two, okay? That's, that's my, my meal of choice. If I go to a restaurant, okay, I, uh, I'll find myself kind of checking out the burger options, you know, in some restaurants it's like, okay, you can have a hamburger or a cheeseburger. That's it. But there are others. It's got like 14 different burgers. And you're like, this is going to be a good night. And I'm going through and I'm reading them all. There's a barbecue burger. You know, there's some onion straws. This guy, I just can't decide. There's so many good burgers. But then I see it. I see there's that one burger. And it's got a fried egg on it. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> Results. Because you put a fried egg on a burger and it just goes to this level. Am I right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You throw a fried egg on a burger and it just doesn't get any better than that. So I order this burger and, of course, it's always massive. It's way too big, so you're kind of squashing it down. And, and I'm eating this burger and I'm loving it. But inevitably, there comes a moment. And I can tell when that moment is because I can look at the people I'm eating with and it's the shock and horror on their face. It's the look of disgust because I've just pulled the burger away and I've hit the yolk. And as I pull it away, it's like yolk and ketchup and burger grease, and it's just all down my beard, all over my face, all over my shirt, the collar of my robe. You know, it's, it's they're, they're looking on, and it's not a pretty picture, believe me. It doesn't sum up the idea of something beautiful. And yet here, David is talking about a similar thing, not an egg-filled burger, but somebody with yolk, oh sorry, yolk, oil, all over their head, all over their beard. It sounds pretty gross, but it wasn't. It was actually this incredible picture because what David is describing was a practice that took place in the Old Testament when Moses would anoint uh, the priests and, and people like um, Aaron and uh, take them and say, okay, as ambassadors for God's people, I need to anoint you, to, to consecrate you, to set you apart and make you holy. And in order to do that, I'm going to pour oil because it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's a symbol of the presence of God. And I want it to be so clear that the presence of God is on your life that I'm not just going to kind of put a little dab on your forehead. I'm going to pour this oil over your head. It's going to run down your face, down your beard, onto the collar of your robe to signify the incredible blessing of God in your life. And David's saying that is what unity is like. When we live together, when we agree to, to stay committed together for the common purpose, for this mission that God's caused, it's like oil all over. It's like the blessing of God upon us. And the people reading this psalm are like, wow, that sounds amazing. David's like, I'm not done. It's, always, it's almost like dew of Hermon. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon. It's not just like oil on the bed. It's like dew on Mount Hermon. And again... At first reading, you may look at that and think, doesn't sound that nice to me. Do? I mean, that's a good thing. For me, it's not. I'll tell you why. Um, we in the Jane household, we have a dog, and his name is Surrey. My wife is here this morning. Um, she loves that dog, so I'd be in trouble if I didn't put a picture of him up on the screen. So there he is, Surrey. As you can tell, we got him from Build-A-Bear. Um, he's not a real... <laughs> dog. He's a stuffed animal that is actually a dog. But uh, we love Surrey. Uh, I've been here 24 hours now. I've got three children. And you've yet to see a picture of them, but there's my dog. So you can tell who in the family is, is our favorite. But uh, 
Love Surrey. He's a great dog, but he's a very furry dog. And um, every morning, I'm in charge of letting him out, and he goes out in the yard to do his business, and he comes back in. And it's fine, except for those mornings where there's dew on the grass. And in he comes. He's plopping in through the front door. His paws are soaking wet. Now, Surrey's allowed on the furniture. He's allowed on the bed. So, so do you know what my job is? There's a towel by the door. It's my job. Yeah, yeah. Some of you are nodding. You're like, yeah, that's my job as well at my house. I have to wipe the paws of my dog, my dew-covered dog. And it's almost like I can see as he's looking at me thinking, this is just an awesome life. This guy... He follows me around in the neighborhood. He picks up my poop. He feeds me. He wipes my feet. I'm like royalty. This guy is just like looking after me so well. And I'm like, oh. but it's a mess. It's this dew. It's, I don't like dew. So when I read this, it's not something pleasant. But when you understand why David's using this illustration, again, it speaks to this incredible blessing. You see, the readers of the psalm would have known that from April to October each year, Mount Hermon saw no rain at all. It would have been a dry and desolate place. But what they would have known was that Hermon was famous for the dew that would appear every morning. Because it was that dew and that dew alone that caused things to grow on the mountainside. If it wasn't for the dew on Mount Hermon, nothing would grow in that dry and desolate place. So the oil... And the dew are these incredible images of God's blessing. They're saying his blessing, growth, and anointing take place when we're together in unity. When we surround ourselves with people, the right people, who will help us together in one common mission. And we don't allow things to divide us. We stay unified in purpose. It's like oil all over. It's like dew that brings growth. And again... You take away those two pictures, and basically David is saying how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. I believe this godly principle can work wherever any of us come together in unity. And I love seeing that this weekend. Because unity is not uniformity. Okay, that's important to understand. Unity is not uniformity. God wants to bless us in unity. He doesn't expect us to live in uniformity. So unity doesn't mean we all have to be the same. I mean, clearly we're not. We've got some red, some green, some pink. I mean, already there's some, some division going on here this weekend. But I know that's part of the, uh, the, the games and the challenges. You know, I know there's unity here. But despite the, the differences in our attire, there are other differences. We may have come from urban areas. We may have come from rural areas. Some of us maybe grew up in central Illinois, the mountains of central Illinois, and some of us may have grown up in a flat, boring place like Colorado, okay? Um, some of us may have come from uh, more of a blue class, blue-collar family. Um, some of us maybe a white-collar. We, we're all different. And as we get to know one another, some of those differences will come out. We may think differently on certain subjects. We may vote differently. We may have different ideas on, on what the greatest challenge is to the church today. And you, I'm sure, are aware of this, but there is a, a, a challenge going on right now to keep us divided. Whether it's social media or the political world or uh, just the media in general, there's this, there's this push to divide us. You're either on this side of the debate or this side of the debate. And I actually think there's something deeper to that. I think the enemy loves seeing that because he knows that when division exists, unity falls to the wayside. And he loves it because he knows that when unity exists, God's blessing, like oil, like dew, just pours out all over it. 
So we as a group have to fight for that unity. We have to say, hey, we may not agree on everything, but there is one thing we agree on, that God loves us, that God loves our fellow students on our campus. He might use us to reach someone on our campus this year. Together as an organization, as Encounter, we are unified in this mission to make a difference, to make an impact on the college campuses of Bloomington Normal. And wherever we come from, however different we are, we are unified in one thing, and that is that we are here to fulfill God's mission for this college campus. A few years ago, I, uh, I ran a half marathon. Worst thing I've ever done. Um, it sucked. I, was, I, was, I remember training for it, and I had to run hours and hours. And maybe some of you are runners, and you're brilliant. I'm not a runner. I didn't enjoy it. I'd like run for an hour and a half. I was like, well, that's an hour and a half I'm never going to get back. But I had to keep running and running and get ready. And when I ran the actual mar- half marathon, 13.1 miles, I remember crossing the finish line. And the first thought in my head was, if I was running a real marathon, I'd have to turn around now and run all the way back. <laughs> There's no way. There's nothing left. It took everything in me to run half a marathon. So I got the sticker, 13.1. I put it on my car. Last time I've ever run. That's not true. I've run a little bit since then. But it it was really tough. That's why I'm so amazed at this particular gentleman who uh, very recently broke the record for the fastest speed ever to run a full marathon. Check this out. So there he was, Elliot Kipchoge, Vienna, Austria. He's the first person to ever run a marathon in less than two hours, just under two hours. Now, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. When I ran, I did it in two and a half hours. Mine was a half marathon. But uh, yeah, so he, he did a full marathon in two hours. So pretty incredible. Like you're looking on thinking, that man is a legend. But there's more to this story. I don't know if you caught this, but as you're looking at the, the race, you know, there weren't dozens and dozens of athletes around him. And that's because he was the only one running that marathon that day. I say the only one. There was actually a team of people running with him, and there was a whole strategy in place. They had a car that they followed, which had lasers shooting out the back, <laughs> lasers, shooting out the back onto the ground, and these lasers defined where this point was, and the car drove at a fixed speed so that the runners could stay at the exact same pace they needed to sp- stay at to complete the marathon in the right amount of times. He had pace runners who ran with him. These pace runners formed a V in front of him to help aerodynamically create the best possible um, lack of uh, wind, drag, whatever you call it, as he was running. All of this took place so that he and he alone, they would break off and then a new group would come in. So it wasn't just these runners in the picture. No, in actual fact, this is the team that all ran that day. 
But only one guy <laughs> managed to run the entire race and finish in one hour and 59 minutes. When you see that, you realize, wow, he will forever be known as this incredible athlete who ran a marathon in less than two hours. But he would be the first to tell you if he was here today, but I couldn't have done it by myself. I literally, it was not possible for me to do it by myself. The only way I was able to do it, he actually says, he could not have run that fast without the dozens of people who helped him before and during the event. I think God's going to do some amazing things in your lives individually this year. I think you're going to see some growth personally. I think you're going to see God use you to reach out and to impact the lives of some of your friends, maybe some of those who don't yet know Jesus. Maybe on this college campus, you'll, you'll do something impactful that will change the atmosphere, change the environment here in Bloomington Normal. But I'm guessing, I'm guessing that if it's God's plan, that none of you will do that by yourself. That you'll be able to say, yeah, we saw some great things happen this year, but we couldn't have done it without that great group of people around us. And that's who's here this morning. Because when there's unity, God wants to pour his blessing out. And my hope and my prayer is that over this weekend, you'll make some connections with some people here that will be life-changing, that will take you through the rest of your campus experience. And you'll experience the blessing of God as the unity flows amongst this group. Father, thank you so much for these incredible guys and girls. And Lord, every one of them is here at a wonderful time this weekend, but help them to realize this is no accident that they are here at this time in this place with these people. You didn't call them just individually to be a part of this experience. You called them collectively as the group encounter. That as they connect with one another more over the coming years, that unity is going to get stronger and stronger within this group. I pray, Lord, they would fight for that unity. I pray they would fight against any division that may come in and try and destroy that unity because they would understand from this day forward, Lord, that as David said, where there is unity, your blessing is poured out. And I think every one of us would say this morning, that's what we want, Lord. We want your blessing in our lives. We want your blessing in our ministry. We want your blessing on our college campus. And in a world that is fighting so hard, there's so much strife and division, let us show what, it could be look, what, what life could look like in a different way when we're united. Not in uniformity, but in unity to the mission that you've called us upon. We want to experience that blessing in our lives. So help us stay unified in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Find out more about Encounter and ways to get involved at isuencounter.org.